A very special episode of Locked On UCLA today as we have a special guest here on this special edition of Locked On UCLA. I'm your host, Zach anderson Yoxheimer, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong and diehard UCLA Bruins fan. Today we talk about the UCLA coaching situation, all the coaching turnover from the offseason for the football team, all the transfers, and a special little topic at the end. As we welcome in James Williams to the podcast, once again, thanks for joining us and thank you for listening, for making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free on whatever podcast platform you listen to. As we welcome in James Williams, the UCLA beat writer for the OC Register, and he believes in UCLA football. That's the podcast he hosts, as we believe in him and the info he's about to give to us. Zach, thank you so much for having me on and for believing in me. Uh, when it comes to UCLA football, um, you mentioned you were a lifelong fan of, of UCLA. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm going to admit something here that I hope is OK with you and your audience now. Um, okay, we're, we're, hey, I'm here to be truthful and honest with you at okay. all times, Zach. So um, I didn't grow up a UCLA fan. And so my my experience is. You know, I, I'm not familiar with the eight clap. I'm not familiar with a lot of the in stadium traditions or, or game day traditions. I, my uncles are diehard USC fans. So I went to a lot of USC games growing up. Uh, fun fact, I actually didn't go to my first UCLA game um, until I started covering the team back in 2019, which was the second year of Chip Kelly. So um, I'm still learning. I'm still learning every day. And I think as a reporter, I think in a way it's going to help me, right? Because I don't have this fan perspective or, or, you know, sometimes the, the, the good, I, I didn't have to go through the good and the bad that comes with being a fan of any given team, let alone, let alone a team that I'm covering. So I'm kind of coming into UCLA as I, as I did uh, with fresh eyes or as Herm Edwards would say with clean eyes. I love when he says that. Um, so I'm coming in with clean eyes and, and a fresh perspective. And um, yeah, it's been fun, fun couple of years covering the team so far. So basically, all you've seen is the bad. I mean, you did see last year in 2021, <laughs> where we had the up and down in terms of the good wins, some heartbreaking, crushing losses that the Bruin faithful are used to seeing over the years with mm-hmm. the UCLA football team. But let's get you up to tunes, Bruin fans. Get those hands in the air, and it's time for Bruin eight clap time. Let's teach James. He doesn't have to yeah. do it. He just needs I, to I yeah, I'm here he to learn. To I'm here to learn. He's going to learn. It's an eight clap. So what do you do? You Mm -hmm. count to eight and then you do UCLA fast with some claps and fight, fight, fight. So Bruin fans, hands in the air and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, UCLA, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. And that's how we start today's podcast as we welcome in James Williams. He now knows what the Bruin eight clap looks like, how it sounds like, and maybe you remember it for the future. (laughs) And speaking of in-game traditions, we haven't mm-hmm. seen any because there hasn't been too many people in the stands in recent years. Oh, so, you said it, not me. Not that's, me. That's that's you, that's you, where you I had. That's that's Dude, where I. Yeah. Let Let's start there. Let's Let's start there first with the fans. <laughs> and there's a lot of different ways we can go when it comes to the fans, but in, in a good way though, right? And I I know they mean well, but I think the attendance will t- it, the attendance won't show out the first three games because of who they're going to be playing and they're not going to be in school. Yeah, the times, the early start times, the the teams are playing, and the fact that school is not going to start to like the season opener, I think is around the time school starts and, and students are back on campus. 
So again, you're going to have a lot of what happened this past year with that Hawaii game where you get these wide shots of the Rose Bowl and it's empty. Um, so, but don't let, don't be defeated. And if anything, if you don't like the way your team is being portrayed on TV in that regard, go to the games. Yeah. Do your team a favor. And they're going to put a good product on the field. Uh, just, you know, based on the talent that they have returning, we'll be talking about that a little bit. But um, quite, quite a bit of turnover over, over the uh, offseason here, Zach. So lots of turnover, a lot of transfers coming in. We'll get to that in a, mm-hmm. an upcoming segment. First, we'll start with the coaching turnover with Bill McGovern taking over as the defensive coordinator for Jerry Azanaro. What do you know about that situation? Chip Kelly briefly spoke about that recently mm-hmm. and all the coaching turnover. What's your mindset? What's your perspective on it from covering the team? Yeah, it's kind of interesting now that we're kind of coming off a of media day and we're getting into fall camp and getting into the nitty gritty. Um, obviously, Chip was available to some degree during the spring, um, but now you're kind of getting some of the some questions answered, right? And one of the biggest one, let uh, aside from his contract extent, extension that he did sign, and, and was a big thing for us going in, into the off season as those final games were being played. It was is Chip Kelly even going to come back? Do these final games matter and determine what will happen with Chip Kelly? Chip Kelly, I, I guess, was was under contract for that final year to come back but no one's really ever going to be playing their final year uh, or coaching their final year of their contract um, as a lame duck, not knowing what the future is going to hold after that year. So they did work and get extension done, but it makes you wonder knowing all the coaching changes that happened on his staff after he signed that extension, how much of that played a role in, in him signing that extension, right? You see the, well, you, you see some, you see the defensive line coach and one of the linebacking coaches, Go to Arizona with Jed Fish. You see um, Jerry Azignero, the defensive coordinator at the time for the for the first four years of the Chip Kelly era. He uh, resigns. That's what it's being labeled as, is him resigning. And we'll get to that in a minute. But then you also have uh, – they had their tight end, their offensive tight end coach, special teams coach. That was one and the same. Their offensive line, offensive coordinator uh, left as well for Ohio State state so a lot of different changes and i think maybe the defensive coordinating coordinator position was the one where it's like if you ask fans that's what fans have wanted since i started covering the team in 2019 and again that would have only been jeff kelly's second year but they were already over jerry as an arrow it seemed a lot of the storyline a lot of the the biggest storyline i think coming in that was really put on my radar early on when i started covering the team was um we don't like this Jerry as an arrow. And he did every year he came back. It was just kind of like, they just said, Oh, bad season already. I'm like, dang, give the guy a shot. They actually did pretty well to start the season here. Even in that game against LSU, for example, they kind of managed to hold their own as best they could. But at the end of the day, it looked like a change just needed to be made. And, and we saw Jerry as narrow move on. And as you mentioned, Bill McGovern does come in. Um, it was interesting. So Chip Kelly was asked this week, what, led into that Jerry Azanero decision or, or, you know, it was never really made publicly when coaches are leaving or other coaches are coming in, there's usually some sort of announcement. They just quietly let this kind of ride off into the sunset. And uh, for Jerry Azanero, he has not officially retired. I don't know his age off the top of my head, but it's kind of Doesn't that seem a little fishy though, too, the way everything's kind of played out the way it has? Well, I think to me, if he would have just, re- if he said he was retiring and he rode off into the sunset on his own, like in that regard, then he was just ready to go, right? Like he was just ready to fit, be done. But what Chip Kelly said this week was, 
Azanero made the decision to leave to pursue NFL opportunities. He has coaching college. He, I think his only NFL coaching experience was when he was with Chip, Chip Kelly, both at the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers before joining Chip over here um, at UCLA. So I don't know what word he's gotten or what, I don't know if they talked about it, but Chip, that's what Chip's saying. That's what he's going with. But he did say he was sitting at home, which means he's not with an NFL team. And um, But the possibilities out there for him to return to coaching again, don't worry, UCLA fans. I don't think he's going to be coming back as a defensive coordinator in Westwood anytime soon. So don't read too much into Chip Kelly's comments there. And and we'll, we'll see. Uh, with Bill McGovern, obviously he's going to bring in a new style. I think that the one thing Chip Kelly also said was, he likes uh, Bill McGovern has coached at the college double two, I believe at Boston college, but he also coached in the NFL with Chip Kelly and Jerry as in Philadelphia and was most recently the line. Let's see. Linebacking coach. He was a, he was a defensive position coach. I, I can't remember if it was defensive line or linebacker, but he was a position coach. I think it was defensive line because I think he coached Khalil Mack at Chicago Bears is what it was. Yeah, that's, so That's quite the name to be having in your resume to have coached. Quite, quite the name, right? <laughs> and, and Khalil Mack's right here still in L.A. He's back, He's here in L.A. now with the, the Chargers. So uh, a familiar face for, for McGovern there. But, yeah, so I think the one thing for Chip Kelly is that he wanted to bring an NFL style, he said, or an NFL approach on the defensive side. And no better way to do that than to bring in a Bill McGovern and also Ken Norton Jr., yeah. who's uh, taken over at, at, at one of those linebacking coaching positions, uh, was a stud UCLA player back in his day, uh, was a defensive coordinator under Pete Carroll, I believe, at, UC, at USC, but more recently with the Seattle Seahawks. I think he was also the defensive coordinator with the Raiders. for a hot minute with the Raiders, right? So, so you're getting a notable guy coming in, and I think that's a uh, sneaky get especially in the college game, to get a nice mind. You don't need him as the defensive coordinator. That's a strong mind to have defensively when you're exactly. revamping that move. That, that and you know what? It makes me wonder why he wasn't – and maybe it's just a matter of how the timetable worked out, I think. Because I think Ken Norton Jr. was hired after McGovern, if I remember correctly. But it made me wonder, why, can it, why wasn't Ken Norton Jr. the defensive coordinator? And the only reason why that comes to mind is because, again, he – he was a defensive coordinator at the NFL level um, and for a good number of years, right? But And the Legion of Boom and everything else. But then Bill McGovern really was just a position coach in the NFL. Maybe he was a defensive coordinator. I'm trying to remember his resume, a brand new resume here. But I think he was a defensive coordinator at the college level a couple years back. But he's an older guy, McGovern is. And again, when you associate his name as saying, oh, he's worked with Kelly and as a narrow before, I think the initial impression was fans were like, well, how is this going to be any different? But if you get Ken Norton Jr., let alone the fact that I think fans are just happy he's in the building, it makes me wonder if, if Ken Norton Jr. is at least an option, maybe if things don't go right uh, after a year or two with Bill McGovern. And I know Ken Norton Jr. wasn't all that successful as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Maybe that's a reason where he's got the that's mindset. And, yeah. and especially because I'm also a, a Raider fan. So I know okay. firsthand that was <laughs> maybe maybe not exactly the Jerry as an arrow effects uh, mm -hmm. as a fan defensively on that side. But maybe right. it's take your mind off of being the coordinator more, just focusing on getting these kids better, change the mindset. And this is how yeah. we can get you guys, I guess, in my mindset, 
This is how you get prepared to play in the NFL and what it takes just scheming wise and how you got to be as a player. I think the most important thing too is for Ken Norton Jr. Well, again, just for the defense and and the one thing we, when we'd ask questions about as and the play calling and how, why are decision, why was that decision made last game? Whatever he would say, uh, Chip Kelly would always say it was a group decision. It's not like really, we just want to know who's calling plays. And we kind of know it's as a narrow, but at the same time, he wasn't willing to put the blame on any one person, right? So he would say it was a team effort um, among the defensive staff on on certain things throughout the week. And again, I think that's what you're going to get here is a collaborative effort with experience from Ken Norton Jr., both as a player, someone who knows everything that goes into UCLA and the traditions and everything that comes with that, having uh, been an NFL guy um, as a coach. And then again, you have Bill McGovern who has coached, and I think he's, I uh, was, the leading interceptions guy at the FCS level um, that record may still stand, but both of those guys are hall of, are, uh, college football hall of fame nominees and you have experience there and you, that's experience that needs that needed to be added to this coaching staff when you're overhauling it, because you, you take into consideration the number of guys that did leave that had defense coordinating experience, Jerry as a narrow, uh, Johnny Nansen, uh, Tafusi, I believe it, or Kafusi was the other one. Both of those guys went to Arizona. Those guys, I think, have had defensive coordinating experience. Brian Norwood, who's still there as a secondary coach and associate head coach or assistant head coach, he was also a defensive coordinator and is the passing game coordinator now on the defensive side. So that they 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 loaded back up on the experience and it's it's showing and and you know there's no lack of that there. I think also with Ken Norton Jr. Um, I think he's already responsible for bringing in two four-star recruits or getting a commitment for two four-star recruits. So I think that's the biggest thing. And for fans who are saying, what is Chip Kelly doing? What is his philosophy on recruiting? Hey, run Ken Norton Jr. out there, and he's already locked in two four-star guys for you. And we'll, we'll talk about recruiting coming up next mm-hmm. with the transfers and what Chip Kelly just said. I've joked yeah. about how he's not too quotable, but he's actually dropped some uh-huh. nice quotes Made a little bit of headlines recently. We'll talk yeah. about all the transfers and just the key transfers who can make impacts in just a moment. But first, let's hear some words from Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. James Williams, the guest on the podcast today for Locked On UCLA. As we shift gears from the coaching staff more to the players' front, We talked about how there's some changes on the coaching staff from Chip Kelly, and maybe that's led to a new philosophy in recruiting. He got the recent extension, the move to the Big Ten. It's an older roster for the Bruins this upcoming season. And James, what do you think about that quote Chip Kelly just said about how he's recruiting a mixture of high school and older guys and saying how high school guys, this is not verbatim or anything, but high school Mm -hmm. guys might not be around for four to five years with the new NIL rules and NIL in effect, just everything all factoring into recruiting in the modern day and age. One, I think that quote that he mentioned um, where it was more or less paraphrasing here, it was 
you know, we're not going to get a 25 guy recruiting class anymore. Right. Unlike maybe in Alabama who has the opportunity to stockpile 25 guys because they have so much experience there that they're not expecting freshmen to jump in right away. Right. Where UCLA may need a freshman or two to maybe at least be on special teams. But <clears throat> I think it's an honest answer uh, from Chip Kelly and maybe one fans don't want to hear and one fans haven't wanted to hear, but a lot of fans want to know what his philosophy or his mindset or where he's at, because they see all these others, all these, again, social media plays a big role in, in what we see and how we're, how things are perceived. Chip Kelly's not about the, the glitz and the glamor and getting a fancy social media post on these guys. And he understands that they're younger. You know, that's what the younger generation wants, but he's trying to build a football team. He's not trying to make people uh, feel good and, and have them a fancy, have a fancy graphic they can post. Right. So, He's looking for guys who are going to come in and play, not for clout, um, but because they want to win. And a lot of that is is moving away from the high school. So you're not seeing a lot of guys out on the recruiting trail for his coaching staff. And they're bringing in these guys and and they're not they're not seeing UCLA on a whole lot of top five lists. Like my final five schools, UCLA is not on a whole lot of those. Right. Um, it's kind of whenever UCLA is on a top three, top five list. It's a little bit more legitimate, though. And a lot of that, Chip Kelly said before, academics play a big part because there's that academic standard at UCLA, obviously one of the number one public schools in California and across the nation and also one of the most applied to schools. So he's really taking advantage of the transfer portal. And one of the stories that I've written so far since covering UCLA, and it still stands, is the transfer portal kind of worked against Chip Kelly uh, in that second year around the time I started covering the team in 2019. The roster was depleted. You had a lot of guys that were Jim Mora recruits, and a lot of them have gone on and left and didn't see themselves fitting in or, or whatever the situation was. And it became – Chip Kelly was fielding one of the youngest rosters in the country as a result of that. And he had guys that were playing. You had true freshman Damien Sellers play during the pandemic um, at linebacker, started like five of the seven games during that shortened season. Um, you had Devin Kirkwood get some time this past year. So they're still playing some freshmen and there's still opportunities there for freshmen. But if you look at what he's been able to produce through the transfer portal and bring in through the transfer portal, you're looking at guys who maybe considered UCLA back in the day and maybe it was their number two option or didn't work out or, or they liked better what they had elsewhere. And whether it was because of opportunities or, or Whatever, whatever it was, their grad transfers are moving on with their academic career um, and they're looking for a master's program that fits them. They come to UCLA. They're looking at UCLA. Right. And say what you want about Chip not being able to recruit in high school. He sure did bring in a guy like a Zach Charbonnet. Britton <laughs> Brown. Every Britton, Britton Brown. Quantrez He's getting, you're getting a Jake Bobo this year. You're getting the Murphy twins and Gabriel and Grayson Azizi who have Hearn. a lot of Azizi Hearn is another guy who talked to the media and has experience. I believe he's from the, he's the Wyoming transfer. Um, so you're getting guys. And, and I think for me, that's one of the biggest holes that needed to be filled was with uh, Azizi Hearn and stuff on that secondary, because you lost Quentin Lake, who was a, um, a four-year guy for uh, Chip Kelly. You had, Obi Ebo, who was a Stanford transfer, who came in and, and did his two years at UCLA. You had Quentin Knight, or Quantrez Knight, excuse me, come in and do two years during that COVID year and then last year before moving on and signed with the San Francisco 49ers. So 
you know, you're getting quality guys through the portal. And again, that fits what Chip Kelly's looking for. He's not looking for freshmen who, and that's not saying he's not willing. He's not lazy. It's not like he's not willing to develop guys. But again, they have to meet the academic standard. You, he wants to see what they're going to turn into. So when you're getting guys out of the portal, you're getting experienced guys. You're getting guys who have played at some division one level, ideally already. And it's a plug and play easy to, easy to plug in and, and get the guys going. Well, theoretically, right? Guys. Theoretically, theoretically, right? theoretically it's, it should be. You get the – and the guys coming to UCLA, you would think right. you have to be a little more – you have to, you have, to mm-hmm. have the intelligence factor. It's not like an easy switch over. It's mm-hmm. – you have to have the grades, and that's another way of recruiting, not just getting the high school kids immature and learning. You've got older, mature guys, and that can help UCLA get plug-and-play guys a lot easier than maybe other universities. No, no doubt about it, and that's something – and with the track record, again, when you have – you see Zach Charbonnet come in as a transfer. And again, I believe this is someone who considered UCLA. He went, he was at Oaks Christian. He wasn't that far uh, before he decided on Michigan um, over at UCLA, for example, but he wanted to return back home. And sometimes that's, that's just the benefit. Sometimes it's just, they want to come back home, but they, they did their year. They did their time. They got their bachelor's or whatever the case may have been at the, at the university. They, they chose that high school and they need to pursue their master's program or they want to return back home. Sometimes it's a, a mixture of both and where else better than UCLA to come and do that. And I think they get to learn from Chip Kelly, who has coached at the NFL level, has coached national championship teams before um, or teams that have played in the national championship game. And uh, to me, it's fans want the high school guys, but if you're getting these plug and play guys and you can wean in some of these guys, again, a Damian Sellers who we're not sure what his status is with the team at the moment because he wasn't on the roster to start fall camp, but it sounds like he's still with the team and maybe it's just a grades issue. But you look at Devin Kirkwood who came in as a true freshman, played, is expected to maybe step in and take in some more time. That's a guy they recruited. So it's they are not abandoning, abandoning that altogether, but they want a guy who's experienced and – has his academic, you know, if you're bringing in a Quantra's Knight who already has his bachelor's degree, um, already knows what he wants academically, is already stable in that regard, you know what his grades are, you know what his work ethic is in a classroom, but also on the football field. And then you get a high character, high energy guy, the way Knight was, that's just a bonus, right? And again, you've seen that from Zach Charbonnet too, and, and I think he's going to be a good mix for what they have in a four-year, now fifth-year guy, in a Dorian Thompson-Robinson as your quarterback. So, it's again, it's not like they haven't developed guys. Dorian's a great example of that. Someone who barely played any quarterback in high school, and they've got him into a, a solid quarterback prospect um, for this year. It's like you're they're playing the long game in recruiting. And normally it's, hey, can we yeah. get them within that sophomore-junior year and have their yeah. mind made up before they go into their senior year, and then they sign. Because by, because by then they know, at least guys in the portal, they know what they want. Sorry to cut you off there, but when you get these high school guys, the point, too, I think what Chip Kelly was making with this quote is with NIL, people not being happy with their situation, their opportunity, there's a whole lot of mental health things that are going on. You know, Thomas Cole is an example of that. I believe you guys talked about that on the on, uh, the most recent podcast or one of the more recent podcasts, but there's so many situations where you're trying to long-term 
to have a guy commit to your program, but there could be coaching changes. There, there could be difference in philosophy or what he thought it was going to be that leads him to leave. So you're going to invest in this guy coming out of high school, but you don't know how invested he's going to be in you when things aren't going his way. And how is he going to go against that adversity? He may be up against where he doesn't get the starting spot or he loses his starting spot and and he's no longer happy. Now he wants to leave. Right. So he would chip Kelly would rather have guys he can get into the portal who want to be there, who want to play and are, are, far past the fancy graphics and the clout, and they're just there to play ball. Chip Kelly wants ball players. He doesn't want guys trying to figure out what they want. He doesn't want what could be ball players. He's finding guys that are already proving themselves Mm -hmm. to be ball players. And he's gotten the ballers, which is going to be our last point in this segment. The the coaches poll was recently released. I went over it a little bit in some detail as to who the pollers were and why it makes sense. They might not have been as pulled high, but do you think the, the coaching turnover and the transfers led to them being out of that top 25 coaches poll, or do you believe they are a top 25 team in the nation just disrespected in the preseason? I wouldn't say they're a top 25 team just because it's hard to see where they're at. And they're just being projected in, in what is the PAC 12 South. I know the divisions are very loose nowadays in the, in the, in the conference, but they're not, it's not, it'd be different if they were like the number one, number two team in, even in their own division, let alone the conference. But now you have USC, you have Oregon, um, Utah. Utah, you have all those teams in the conference that, and I believe all three of those teams are ranked in the top 25. Yeah, top, 15. Poll, top 15. So sure. It's going to be hard for UCLA to get into that mix. And, but that doesn't mean they can't, right? Because UCLA was able to do that when they knocked off LSU I can only imagine they had a bye week and then imagine how much higher they could have been if they would have, they would have beaten Fresno state. Right. So I think the one downside is you're not going to be ranked in the top 25 based on your three non-conference teams because it's Alabama state, uh, South Alabama and, um, and Bowling green. Right. I mean, they'd have to be significant wins and dominant wins, but even then I don't think that's going to get you in the top 25. It may get you some votes, but it's not going to get you in the top 25, but I think if you do that, and the way a lot of people are projecting their season, if they're going to go 5-0 and going into that Utah game, and they beat Utah, they knock off Utah, assuming Utah also goes 5-0 and going into that game, if they win that game, then sure, they, then they, they should maybe fall in on top 25, maybe beat number 24 or something, right? If they beat we Utah, I think they, they could definitely make a case for being a top 15 in the nation, 15 team in the nation. If, if everything's think, undefeated at that point, you have a point in case to saying, Hey, get the overhyped train. It's college football. The overhyped train is ridiculous. You you don't go from 24. They put them in at number 12 and then Mm -hmm. they try to hype up the next matchup. You, you know, of course, no, of course. But I think, I think that's the thing because once you're in there, then they want to see it again. And and they don't have to look any further than last season. As an example, we'll put you in, but then can you continue that? Right. And obviously they didn't when they fall short against the Fresno team and Fresno was ranked for a couple of weeks. And I think they fell out. So may, I think I think and with any new team, no matter what you beat, you can beat number one. You're only you can beat number one the next week. You maybe you'll be in the top ten, right? But you're you're going to only get a UCLA coming that first week at 24, 25, 23. But if you win some games after that, if you beat an Oregon, you beat a U, USC, then I think you can crawl into that top twenty, top fifteen range, right? Um, I, again, I don't think this team's playing for a national championship this year, obviously, but I think there's a strong 
case for them to to be considered a top 25 team. And I think just off the bat, um, even though voting polls were only going to go up to 25, they're probably in that top 30, top 40 range, right? So they're in the, the top half of Division One. that's for sure. But there's just such a stronghold, a chokehold on that top five. It's ridiculous. Uh, with, it is ridiculous. With, it is ridiculous. But for me, it's always a treat, too. I've covered the Rose Bowl game the last couple of years, too. So uh, Utah and Ohio State was good last year. You know, I've seen Oregon come in a couple of years in the Rose Bowl. So those have been good matches, but it would be great to see UCLA in that mix and, and being in a meaningful Rose Bowl game at the Rose Bowl. I mean, you've covered meaningful games. I know you, you told me you've covered the All-Star game recently in Los Angeles yeah. for Major League Baseball. MLB, you've yeah. covered many awesome stories. And coming up, we're going to have a brief talk about a recent podcast you recorded mm-hmm. and you talked about Kenny Washington, a, mm-hmm. a nice story about him on a book that was written about him. And we'll talk about that coming up next, but first some words from our sponsors. So we've gone through the coaching turnover, some highlighted briefly, some key transfers and why that's affecting UCLA's transfer recruiting game and how that affects Chip Kelly's recruiting as a whole. But as James Williams and I, the UCLA beat reporter for the OC register. And I continue to finish things off here today. I want to lead it to you, James. You, you had a nice guest. You had Dan Taylor. If I got that right, talking about mm-hmm. Kenny Washington, a, a legendary Bruin that maybe people don't know about and they should, or if they do, you, you had a podcast discussing a book re- written about him and how he integrated, or as you might put it, reintegrated the mm-hmm. NFL 76 years ago. Tell me some more. As you mentioned on the Believe in UCLA Football podcast, uh, we did have Dan Taylor, who was an author for the book called Walking Alone, the story of a football pioneer, Kenny Washington. And Kenny Washington did play at UCLA uh, and was a teammate of Jackie Robinson on that football team. And I believe he played baseball. too. I believe Dan said that Kenny's first love might have been baseball. Actually, they did because... He told me that he was better than Jackie. I think at both football and baseball. That is some high uh, praise. That Kenny was, yeah, and a lot of, and and that and that's what inspired him to write the book because he kept hearing stuff like that from people who were obviously a little bit more familiar to the situation. The unfortunate thing is Kenny passed away. I think of some sort of lung kidney issue when he was fifty-two, and that's been some time now. He would have been like a hundred and something now, one hundred and three or something along those lines. So it was kind of interesting, even with Dan writing the book, because. He was leaning on grandchildren and some of the sources he has in the book, they were like a hundred years old themselves at the time. So um, it was a pretty interesting dynamic. But again, as I mentioned too, I'm still learning. I continue to learn things all the time by doing this UCLA beat and covering the football team. And Kenny Washington wasn't on my radar. And and like I told Dan, I was honest with him. I said, as an African-American myself, it was, I almost felt um, shame, like shame on me for not, having the wherewithal to even think like, well, you know, I know Jackie Robinson, everyone knows Jackie Robinson helped break the color barrier there for baseball, but I never thought who did it for football, let alone it being the backyard uh, at UCLA there. Right. And so it was an interesting story and, and I've read some of it and with football season started, it makes it a little harder to get through the rest of the book, but yeah, Kenny Washington played at, L- at Lincoln high, I think in LA, he's like LA through and through. Born in L.A., died in L.A., played high school in L.A., went to UCLA. uh, He's one of those, like, lost sports figures that everybody should know about. And somehow— Especially in L.A. 
yeah, especially in LA. And we talk about just, you know, losing icons mm-hmm. daily, but he's one of those guys that we should be honoring all the time. Yeah. And yet somehow he fell through the cracks. He kind of did fall into the cracks and he played for the Hollywood bears, which is a league football league back in the day that I was not familiar with until this. Um, and then from there made the jump to the Rams, I guess when the Rams moved down from Cleveland, I did not know the Rams were originated in Cleveland, but the Rams come to LA in that first year, they're playing in the Coliseum. They sign Kenny Washington and Kenny Washington's on that team. He, he signs with the team, but he says, I don't want to be the only African American on this roster. Like by my, I don't want to do this by myself. So he asked them to bring up if he can, if they would sign um, Woody Strode, who was one of four African-American players along with Kenny and Jackie at UCLA. Uh, Strode would play for the Hollywood Bears as well and was teammates there with uh, Kenny Washington before joining him with the Rams. So a nice story there. And I think Kenny has been honored. I think his number's retired at UCLA. He's had, uh, he's been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. But hasn't made it in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and and I, part of it is is because he reintegrated, which means he wasn't actually like the first African American to play in the NFL, I believe, or at least to be on a roster. Um, there were some before him, and that date back, I think, before the war and before the NFL is what we know it today. So it would be hard. Like, are you inducting? Would you be inducting him as a pioneer or for his career? If it's for his career, he only played three or four years because. His prime years were probably when he was with the Hollywood Bears, and he had like three or he had like four or five knee surgeries, and I think it was coming off of double knee surgery before he even signed with the Rams. And I, as we know, it, the medical world wasn't as far along as it is now as it was then back in the thirties and forties. That, right? That's the medical world on top of everything else at that time. That's just on normal. Top of everything that's a, that he dealt with. Yeah. Just being an African American, African American himself, right? Like in segregation and things like that. He had to go through some of that stuff as well. So um I would highly recommend the book. Make sure you listen to the podcast. It's a good little background to you on the on the book. Um I know not everyone's really one who dives in deep on books. So if you're not you know, obviously I would encourage you to check out the book, but make sure you check out the podcast. Me and Dan have a great conversation about, about just everything, Kenny Washington. And for me, I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to have him on the podcast was so that I can learn, because again, I mentioned, and I'm, I've been honest with you guys, like I cover the team starting in 2019. And for me, I want to, I want to learn that history and I want to know everything that goes with this team. I don't want to just Oh, a name I see in the record book anytime a, a running back is going to pass his record or something, right? Like I want to know, and I want that name now mean it's going to mean something to me going forward. Hey, Kenny Washington. Oh, I know who that is. And I know his story. Right. And, and for me, that's important, obviously as an African-American, but as a journalist, um, you want to know the history of the, the team and the programs and the organizations that you're covering. And uh, Kenny Washington is a great example of that. We want to learn, and most importantly, we want to spread the word from generation to generation. So Mm -hmm. it's not just Jackie Robinson. It's Jackie Robinson and his teammate, Kenny Washington, together. Two names that should be hand-in-hand, not just one name and the other. But we're pretty much out of time here today, James. And it is your show that you did that episode. So go check out Mm -hmm. Believe in UCLA Football with James Williams and Dan Taylor joining him on that show about Kenny Washington. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, today for... Locked on to UCLA. That's going to do it. Go check on Locked on Pac-12. Make that your second listen with Spencer McLaughlin. Otherwise, James, thanks for joining the pod. Thanks you for joining. James Williams 
the beat rider for the UCLA football team on the OC register. One last eight clap fans. Get your hands in the air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. UCLA fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.